0: this morning as brother tim was teaching sunday school how faithful our god is and how thankful we need to be for all that he does for us amen i'm especially thankful on that last verse that we just did pardon for sin and a peace that endureth aren't you thankful for your salvation this morning let's all stand together let's sing that last verse together again page number eight that last verse together pardon for sin And a peace that endureth. Sing it out like you mean it this morning. Pardon for sin. And a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and And he is worthy of our praise this morning. Let's turn to page number 50. Page number 50 this morning. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing it out on the first verse. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels include. Give to his holy name Like a shepherd Jesus will guard his children In his arms He carries them all day long Praise him, praise him Tell of his excellent greatness Praise him, praise him Ever in joyful song Praise him, praise him Jesus our blessed Redeemer For our sins He suffered and bled and died He our rock Our hope of eternal salvation Hail Him, hail Him Jesus the crucified Sound His praises Jesus who bore our sorrows Love unbound wonderful, deep, and strong. Praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him, ever in joyful song. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals, loud with hosannas ring. Jesus, Savior, Reigneth forever and ever Crown Him, crown Him Prophet and priest and king Christ is coming Over the world victorious Power and glory Unto the Lord belong Praise Him, praise Him Tell of His excellent greatness Praise Him, praise Him ever in joyful song.
1: Amen. What's your good to just praise the Lord. Amen. And just thank him. He's been very uh, good to us. And couldn't help but this morning, uh, you're just finishing up Psalm uh, 118 and my Bible reading. And it starts, and it's basically just one verse I wanted to read to you this morning. But I think it's very appropriate for the day today. But it's, the Bible says this in Psalm 118, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, and here's why he's good, because his mercy endureth forever. God is very good to us, amen, and his mercy does endure forever, and I'm thankful that you can be forgiven this morning. I'm thankful you can be saved this morning if you don't know Christ uh, as your Savior, a real blessing, amen, and sure thankful that you're here this morning, and, and good to have uh, Brother uh, Tim Knutsen here uh, with us and his family and, of course, pastors, the Jerome Bible Baptist Church, and uh, enjoyed Sunday school. Amen. Amen. And we are to give thanks and everything. And so let's continue this morning just praising uh, the Lord and, and giving him the glory. Uh, of course, we, uh, many of you know this, but we're just our regular uh, morning services this morning. And then right after the service, uh, we'll be heading over to the E.J. Watson Gymnasium having a big uh, meal. And you say, man, I came this morning, and I didn't know, or I, I forgot to bring food. Don't listen. There's plenty to eat. Uh, I went over there just a minute ago to take the two turkeys I smoked out of the oven that were just kind of warming up, and I was going to set them on the counter. And there's no place on the counter to set them. I didn't set them on the floor. I thought about taking them back to my office and just keeping them there. Amen. And come out with two turkey legs for the service. Amen. But no, they're there, and we we just got we've got plenty of food. And so please stay, enjoy. The day today, and let's just give the, the Lord the glory he deserves. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning. I'm going to ask one of our deacons, Brother Alan Quinlan, if you would open us in a word of prayer this morning.
0: Let's remain standing. Turn to page 221. Page 221. Really pay attention to the words as you sing through this song. Let it be a blessing to you this morning. Page 221. How firm a foundation. How firm a foundation. Ye saints of the Lord. Is laid for your faith. In his excellent word. What more can he say? Then to you he had said, To you who for refuge to Jesus have fled in every condition, in sickness and health, in poverty's veil, or abounding in wealth, at home and abroad, on the land, on the sea. As your face may demand, shall your strength ever be. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume. And thy gold to refine In down to old age All my people shall prove My sovereign, eternal, unchangeable love And when, who hairs shall their temples adorn Like lambs they shall still in my bosom be born fear not i am with thee oh be not dismayed for i am thy god and will still give thee aid i'll strengthen thee help thee and cause thee to stand Upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose I will not, I will not desert to its foes That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake I'll never know now No, never forsake We have a lot to be thankful for, amen Let's turn to page number 19 Page number 19 this morning To God be the glory for all that he's done Let's sing it out together on that first verse Lift it up with me To God be the glory, great things he hath done, so loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. O come to the Father, through Jesus the Son. A purchase a blood i uh-huh. instruments are going to continue to play let's get around shake hands together this morning good to have each one of you here good to have some visiting with us today we're thankful you chose to be at faith baptist this morning number 20 will be what we're going to sing here in just a moment. If you have your hymn book, page number 20. If you need the words to that song, page 20, we'll sing it out there on that great chorus. My tribute to God be the glory for all that he's done. Aren't you thankful for all God's done in your life this morning? We need to praise the Lord for it. Page 20, let's sing it out together one time through this morning. To God be the glory God he has saved me with his power he has raised me to God
1: I'd like to read to you from uh, Psalm chapter 95, so as the men come for the offering, he says in verse one, "O come, let us sing unto the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Brother Joe Quinlan, would you pray for the offering this morning?
0: number 290 let's stand one last time together that song right there if your name is written down in glory you've got heaven to look forward to amen thankful for my salvation this morning let's sing it out together page number 290 lift it up with me on that first verse i was once a sinner but i came pardon to receive from my lord this was freely given and i found That he always kept his word There's a new name written down in glory And it's mine, oh yes it's mine And the white robed angels sing the story A sinner has come home For there's a new name written down in glory And it's mine, oh yes it's mine with my sins forgiven I am bound For heaven nevermore to roam I was humbly kneeling at the cross Fearing not but God's angry frown When the heavens opened and I saw That my name was written down There's a new name written down in And it's mine, oh yes it's mine And the white robed angels sing the story A sinner has come home For there's a new name written down in glory And it's mine, oh yes it's mine With my sins forgiven I am bound for heaven now some of you this morning look like you haven't been saved. There's no smiling. Maybe you already ate too much turkey already. Maybe that's I don't know. We need to we need to be joyful about what God's done for us this morning. The next verse says, "In the book tis written, saved by grace." Aren't you thankful for that? Let's sing it out together this morning. Smile while you sing. All right, act like you enjoy singing to the Lord this morning. In the book tis written, saved by grace. Oh, the joy that came to my soul. Now I am forgiven and I know by the blood I am made whole. There's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come home. For there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, nevermore to roam. If you're saved, say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. You may be seated.
1: This morning, man, what a blessing. Sure hope you know the Lord is your Savior, amen. I'm I'm telling you, uh, there's much to rejoice in, in in being saved this morning and have the promise of eternal life and peace with God, amen, and just a real blessing. Well, again, it's good to have Pastor Tim Knutson uh, here with us and uh, Pastors Jerome Uh, Bible Baptist Church up in Jerome, Idaho, and uh, if you were here in Sunday school, just a real blessing, amen, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God. I was actually looking at that verse for my message for Tuesday night, but I guess I'm not going to preach that now, so amen, but I really appreciated that and and the truths that were brought out uh, in that because there are far too many people that are waiting on an emotion to tell them that they need to be thankful instead of understanding, no, just be thankful, obey God. And the emotion will certainly follow that, but I'm telling you, I, it, it, this is a big burden because you hear it so much in conversation today. But people have made an idol out of their emotional, out of their emotions. And I get the, I, I get, I get that we we desire that, I guess, and that's the way God made us. But I'm just telling you, you, you know, faith is is what you and I need to be following, not feelings. Amen. And faith, and this right here, uh, that that'll help you right there. Amen. But anyways, I'm, I don't get to preach today. So Brother Knutson does. And Actually, before that, he's going to come and, and he's going to sing a special. And then he's going to uh, preach. And so Brother Knutson, you come on ahead, brother, uh, this morning. And just really appreciate him. God has certainly given him a talent uh, in music as
2: well. So, amen. After I became a pastor, that talent began to disappear. <laughs> Preaching's not good for singing. Amen. Appreciate uh, Isaac that let me borrow his gu- Isaac, where is he at? Amen. Thank you. Appreciate to let me use your guitar. Amen. You're going to have to adjust the strap. I'm a little uh, wider than you are. <clears throat> <laughs> <clears throat> It's a well of pure water when I'm thirsty and dry. Bread when I'm hungry and warm. When the battle is raging, it's my faithful sword, a shelter from life's troubled storms. It's a light to my pathway and a lamp to my feet. When the world gets so dark you can't see. And I've not made a change in one word that it says, but it sure made a change in me. This blessed old book that I hold in my hand Is true from beginning to end It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand Sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin When I think what it costs just to hold in my hand It reminds me that I owe a great debt To all of the martyrs who've gone to the stake And quoted with their dying breath Now its critics are many and believers are few But one thing I've found to be true If you find when you read it that there's something wrong Well there's something wrong with you This blessed old book that I hold in my hand Is true from beginning to end it's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin. Yes, sin kept me from it, now it keeps me from sin. I'm taking my capo though. Amen. All right. Well, again, I do appreciate. Can I push this off to the side? Is that all right? Okay. I appreciate, again, the opportunity to be here. Uh, the Stuarts are longtime friends, and we've enjoyed them. And uh, I'll I tell you, one of the things that is the most, the older I get, longer in ministry, uh, the thing that I appreciate most of all is that people still are who they're supposed to be. And uh, I, you know, he's a Florida guy, but he still is who I knew him to be and has not changed. I'm telling you, thank God, thank God, thank God. Uh, Do you all, are you all in the habit of standing? Okay, so let's stand. Genesis 1, 1, John 1, 1, and Acts 17. Most of you know these verses already, but I think we're just going to go ahead and Read them anyway. Genesis 1 1, John 1 1, and Acts 17. Still here a few pages turning. Again, I just want to thank you again for the accommodations. We've been, uh, we enjoyed it very much. As a matter of fact, I got to try out the My Pillow. Y'all got My Pillows on that apartment? And I've been wanting to try one of those out, and I'm going to have to go end up buying one because. <laughs> That was, I enjoyed that, but yes, and uh, got to have some good fellowship, and uh, it's good to see uh, Mad Dog, and I'll, I'll, Brother Luke, for your sake, I'll just call you Luke here, because I call him something else, another, and then Taylor Bob's not here, but, so, appreciate seeing him. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God, Amen. we could stop there, it'd be all right, but let's go ahead and read it again. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Amen. Amen. Time, space, and matter, force, and action for all you scientists, all in verse 1 of the Bible. Amen. All right, John chapter 1. John in chapter 1, verse 1. John 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we have Jesus, that's what, that's what this passage is talking about, Jesus. You read on through verse 14, you'll discover that. So God and Jesus were at the beginning, all right, Acts in chapter 17. Acts and chapter 17, this will be our primary passage, if you will. When you get there, we're going to go down to verse 24. This is Paul preaching from Mars Hill to the men of Athens with all of their gods. And there's some really, there's a really uh, cool story about the altar to the unknown God, which I'd like to say, but it's not part of the message. You know that, it gets, anyways. Verse 24, Acts chapter 17, verse 24. God, Paul says, that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the... On all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitations, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, For we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man 's device, and the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Amen. Amen. <coughs> I mean let's pray. Father, Lord, I would ask that you would. Help us to get a good vision of you this morning. And help our hearts, Lord, to try to steer away from the distractions of home and, uh, Lord, of the future and of the past, and that we would be willing and ready to sit and listen what you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you. You may be seated. <coughs> the switch from Idaho to a much more humid Southern lands is taking an effect. i tell you, that picture mine, without, it's missing sagebrush, but that could be taken pretty close to where I live. I'm sitting up there going, I'm seeing home up there. It's beautiful. But A few years ago, in our church, I uh, preached some Wednesday nights and then ended up on Sunday nights on the attributes of God. And this message had just, this particular message just captured me uh, because it helped me see God like I'd not seen Him before. And you know, when you get into a point where you're trying to define God, uh, there's some big problems with that because we're finite and He's infinite. Um, One lady said, if God were small enough to be understood, He would not be big enough to be worshipped. And I believe that very true. I, I mean... I can't even tell you, this is my 35th, 35, 36th years of ministry, preaching. And uh, you know, even with all of that, and I've heard other men I've talked to, I remember sitting with Brother Epps over in his in his apartment. If, you, if, if you're if you a preacher, I'm sure he's probably brought up James Epps at least once or twice, I don't know. But sitting over there and we talk about God and he was, he was at the very end of like 50, 60 years of ministry and we'd sit and talk about the Lord and watch his face light up. You know, it's like you study and you study and you study and you study and you feel like, I wonder how much of God I've, un- I've understood. And you're like. if I want you to I'll picture this. If, if we were to, uh, let's say that you all were coming to uh, a college or a museum and this was one of those, uh, those domes where they show you the stars and an astronomer comes out. And he starts pointing at different things and he starts telling you about, you know, this is Mars, the red planet, and you can see it at night if you look out, look for the orange planet, you know, and and then there's you know the Big Dipper, and there's the little Dipper, and there's the North Star, and then he would tell you about Saturn and its rings. And this guy has never been to Mars. Probably he's he's not even been to the highest planet, highest mountain on the planet. He's pretty much probably stayed right around where he is. He's only looked at him through a telescope trying to grasp a picture of it. But you know what I'm talking about when you sit in one of those things and sometimes they have those, those chairs that lay back and they just show you all these stars and these nebulae. And, and you know, when you get done, you're just kind of filled with an awe of the vastness of the universe. And when you step out of that building, if we were to leave and it was dark outside and you were to step out the back door, what would be your first instinct? <clears throat> I want to be that astronomer today, if you'll let me. And I I can only tell you just a little bit of what we can see of God. But I'm hoping that when you leave here, when you walk out the door, part of you might go, wow. My mom used to wake me up in the middle of the night as a kid uh, living on living in Holland, Michigan, and on Blaine Avenue, and my dad was starting a business, and my mom was his secretary, and they, they were busy all the time, and we were so busy. I mean, the school bus dropped me off at my dad's business, and uh, I would sit under his desk, watch little TV, and do my homework while he's having business meetings up above me, you know, and, and it was so late. My my dad said, I'm not making mom cook anything, so we ate at restaurants three, four, five nights a week, you know, and just. And uh, But my mom would wake me up in the middle of the night and say, hey, Tim, hey, Tim, hey, Tim, what's going on? Yeah? She said, come on outside. There's going to be shooting stars tonight. Come on outside. We're going to see the northern lights tonight. Come on outside. You can see the Milky Way as clear as a bell. And so I grew up with this love of just sitting out looking for the stars, wanting to see the stars, see the Milky Way. And I'm telling you, you you know what we need to get a picture of God is how big he is. Thankfulness is going to be a whole lot easier if you get even just a little bitty grasp of God himself. So this is my hope. This is my hope is that when you walk out of here, at least a little piece of you is going to look at God and maybe just have a little bit of, wow. That's my hope. So when I started this whole process, one of the obvious things, and through this passage I began to look at, you know, because when all things started, God was. He, he, he didn't like, you know, just show up at the beginning of time or happen to be, you know, and it seems logical if we're going to talk about God that we should go back to the beginning that we understand and when we go back to our beginning, He already was there. And Jesus was already there. So, you know, I thought, okay, so this is the eternality of God. So I need to look at the eternality of God and, you know, I mean, that's vast. That's even hard to concept, you know, that, that we keep looking at it in the realm of time, and it's not time. It, it's not time, and it's hard for us to even put a piece there on it. But, but when I got to looking at eternality, I realized that very quickly I had to leave eternality and move to something else and then come back to eternality, and I learned a new word. And I like words. And this one's called aseity. The aseity of God. So it's A-S-E-I-T-Y, aseity. Okay, can everybody say it with me? Let's say it. Ready? One, two, three, Aceity. Okay, this is what aseity means, the aseity of God. It means that God is sufficient to himself, independent of anything outside himself. God is sufficient to himself, independent of anything outside of himself. Well, where's that in the Bible? It's at the burning bush where God said to Moses, I am that I am. Not I was, not I will be, I am. And it, it does not matter when we would approach God in time or before time or after time. If we would approach God and, and ask, say, which God shall we say sent us, he's going to say, I am. I am. That is, see, that is saying, outside of all that is in time, I exist. Robert Sargent says it this way, he is the first cause himself, uncaused. <laughs> That's cool. Look at, look at right here in chapter 17, and he, and he says it here in verse 25. Acts 17, verse 25, he tells the, those Philosophical uh, people there in Athens, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. You see that? That's the deity. God don't need nothing from you. God doesn't. I mean, you think about that. God needs nothing. I, I'm afraid, you know, in in the the search as a. The constant trying to find a good way to present the gospel and the right way to present the gospel and, and talking to different people, realizing that sometimes there's pieces of the gospel that they're, that they're missing certain pieces, you know, so you try to fill in the puzzle, the puzzle for them. I have even found myself, and maybe you have said something along this line, maybe, maybe not, but I, I remember a time where I used to say, well, you know, um, God was looking for companionship. And so what he did is he he created the human race so that from from that human race there would be some people that would love and trust him and that would be his companions. And I'm telling you, that's false. God does not need companionship. He does not need us. It's just simply not true that Jesus just needed a friend and there's this, you know, what you need is... What you need is just to become God's friend. He's calling you to be his friend. Well, some of that's true, but he doesn't need a friend. We need, and we need all the time. Some of you are already going, "Uh uh-huh, turkey, ham, gravy, biscuits. Oh, I'm going to be quiet now because I'm going to start getting hungry. We need food. We need sleep. And the doctor told me this last week, I need exercise. And then called me a day later and said, Oh, we just got your test results. Double that exercise. Oh, thanks a lot. We have the earth. We have plants. Some of you have plants. Go on vacation. Better have somebody take care of those plants because they're needy. They need water. They need sun. They need, they need nutrients from the soil. Our earth needs some things. You realize that if our earth ceased to exist, earth ceased to exist. I mean, excuse me. If the earth, sees, yeah, duh, duh the earth cease to exist, we do. No. If the earth needs rotation, yeah. Yeah. no rotation, no us. Yeah. And almost no earth, no sunlight, earth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many amazing things. You understand that, that gravity is at the precise point in all the universe that it needs to be for the earth to exist and for us to stay on the planet. Yeah. Precise. I mean, like, if you move it just like 1% or less, we fly off the earth or the earth implodes. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And we need that. The earth needs that to even exist. So the stars, the sun, we get light because the sun is burning itself up. You all know that, right? It's, we get light because there's constant explosions going on inside the sun. And there has to be matter there for it to explode And to have the explosion that gives us light and that matter is constantly being ate up at a certain rate every day, we can technically kind of track it. The sun needs stuff. The earth needs stuff. The universe needs stuff. We need stuff. God needs nothing. Now you think about the pagan gods. Let's, Let's go to the Bible, okay? So remember Elijah when he challenges the prophets of Baal at the top of Mount Carmel? And what do those prophets of Baal do? Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. I need a knife. Oh, Baal, hear us. He's not hearing us. Maybe he needs blood. Maybe he needs more praise. Maybe he needs this. Maybe he needs that. Pagan gods always need something. We need rain. Let's do a rain dance. Because God won't give it to me unless I do this. All, all the Greek gods. I'm telling you, the whole story of Greek gods is you've got to give to get. If you don't give them, something ain't happening. You ain't getting nothing. Because they need this. They need humans. I mean, all of the pagan gods have to have something for mankind for them in return to actually be able to do something. And God needs none of it. You know, God didn't even need Elijah to pray for the fire to come down to consume. Woof! The whole sacrifice and the altar and the whole bit. Now, the Israelites needed to hear Elijah say, Hey, God, we just need a sign that you're God. Wham! In the pagan's mind, it was always necessary, always necessary to serve the gods because they need it. I'm telling you, if you have some time, maybe go read Psalm 50. Psalm 50 talks a little bit about this, that they have to have some form. I mean, some gods don't exist without us making them. Right. You're right. Ford made some of your gods. Samsung made some others. Apple made some others. Walt Disney made some others. Do you hear what I'm saying? Our God, our God needs nothing from us. And all the things that we actually might have to give to him, where'd they come from? Wasn't us. He has to supply it. He has to supply the ingredients, the whole, I mean, we have nothing to give him if he hasn't given it to us first. He needs nothing, but we need everything from him, even to have anything to give back to him. I mean, this is hello? You understand, we do not serve him because he depends on us. And I need to be, we, we, I think even as preachers, sometimes we, I think I may have crossed that line of trying to maybe say that in a way, that God need no, God does not need us. It's interesting, listen, uh, what is the primary uh, purpose that a church is supposed to be actively engaged in on the planet? The Great Commission. But God also tells us in Titus that that he's also going to make sure every man knows before they get to heaven. Oh, well then what are we doing? We're doing what God told us to. But God doesn't need us. We need to. We need to do that. This is one of the purposes for us to worship Him. Why is that? Uh, Paul said it in Romans 11.36. He said, for of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. I'm t- I mean, if, if anything good, I, just, I'm, I was so captured by that illustration from Spurgeon this morning about just be thankful for that bit of sunlight. You know how how often we start. You know, if anything good ever ever ends up in your life, guess where it came from. You know what's you know and what we get what we do is we get mad. How come it wasn't better? Wait a sec. God gave you a, some a sun some sunshine for you to bask in. Well, I wish it was bigger. Hold on. God doesn't need you. You hear me? You need God and God provided some sunlight. There's a great difference, a great great difference, a vast imbalance. I want you understand the massive difference that is God who needs nothing and on this, across this great chasm is us who depends on everything that he might supply. Now, here's an interesting thing is God does not need us. But John 3.16 tells us something very important about God. He loves us. He doesn't need us. Now, I want you to think about that. When we love, we tend to love because of need. The world does. That's why we fall in and out of love so much, because this person just isn't meeting my needs anymore. You hear that? We love to put love in the terms of need. So I love this person based on what they can give me. And God, think about this, God's on the other side of this great chasm. He He needs nothing. He does not need us little specks of unbelievable rudeness and selfishness and full of pride on this side who shake our little fist at a God who loves us. We need everything that he can supply. We need his air. We need his food. We need his cows. We need his... We need his talent. We need his ability. We need everything. He doesn't need us. And yet that God, that great, big, awesome God who needs nothing from that side of the chasm, looks across and he looks at every individual. God looks at you across the chasm, looks at you across the chasm and says, I choose to love you. Not one person is left out, by the way. Right. Right. Not one person in all of time, no matter how bad, no matter the end, their end destination, not one person is left out. God, For God so loved the that that who, whosoever, I'm kind of skipped a few words there, but, whosoever believeth on him. Not one person left out. Here's God who needs nothing, reaching over to a people who need everything, and he extends his love to every single one of them. And he doesn't need anything from us. Let me just quote a verse for you and see if it suddenly makes a little difference. We love him because, that's, by the way, that's not an emotion. And again, I'm going to go back to this. God wasn't over there going, oh, I just need somebody to love. No, he doesn't need anything. He didn't need to love us. Do you understand that? There was nothing about us that God said, that's what I need. No! The God, the great God, who could have left us never to even have existence, who could have squished us the moment we first looked at him and said, how come you don't treat me better? The great God of who could have said, well, I created a mess. Well, let's move on to some other stuff. No, he extends his love. Now, I want you to consider this. He extends his love and God, if God is anything, he's 100%. I mean, if there's 100% of anything and God is it, then he's 100% of it. So that means God is perfect love. There's no, if there is any kind of fullness of love, it's God. God is love. And that was given to a people, to you. Just consider your morning. If you need to go back to last night, Great. But just consider your morning, how much love you extended to God. How much you des- deserved the love that God extended. You hear me? A God who needs nothing. Looks across, you know, Aristotle, another great philosopher, in his mind he thought, you know, a God who loves would therefore need to be loved in return. And I can look at Aristotle and go, nope. Sounds great from the human side, but what's this say? Pretty sure he dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything. Wow. We are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that the God is like unto gold, or silver, or stone, graven by art and man's device. No, that's not God. Now, Romans, Paul says this in Romans too. It, it, we use it in the Romans road. Romans 5.8. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. That's called unlovable. Christ, listen, listen. Christ died for us. (laughs) This is a God who needs nothing. He does not need us. He is big enough to squish us all and start over a thousand times and has not, in 6,000 years, has decided to let it roll. Why? Because God loved us And this is how he loved us. He loved us so much knowing that there was not a thing we could do to get back to him. There's nothing we could do to be with him. There's nothing we could give to him. And there's no way we could even, I mean, cross the chasm. So what what does he do? He provides a way for those he loves outside of our ability to do so. He provides for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus died on the cross. God himself died on the cross, shed his blood for a people that he does not need. That's love. God doesn't need you. I, 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 want, I want you to hear me carefully. God does not need you. But God loves you. There is nothing in your life he needs. Nothing. Nothing. He doesn't need your worship. You should give it. He knows, he's quite confident in who he is. He doesn't need you to worship him, but you need to worship him. He doesn't need you to accept the offering of his son, but you need to. Do, Do you grasp the thought that a God who needs nothing, the great vastness that's bigger than the vastness of the universe, can look across this chasm and see filthy, stinking me And choose to, not because I deserved it, not because because I could give him anything that he needs, not because I would be a trophy on his shelf, not because I would add somehow to the light of God, but merely because he chose to love us. Christ came to the cross to shed his blood on our behalf, to pay for our sin before God. I don't I don't deserve that. Jesus comes as a baby? Does that make any sense? The God who needs nothing comes as a baby? You know, that's this is all of this is why it is called grace. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works. Can't be. Lest any man should boast. God might like me just a little bit better than he did you. No. It's all of God and none of us. One man said this, Salvation presupposes God's aseity. For in salvation we are desperate. And God is all sufficient. Praise God that the self-sufficient God would reach down to a very needy people, a very needy me. Thank the Lord for the grace of God. Now you might be thinking, what has this got to do with God's eternality? Some of you may have already connected the dots, okay? Aseity is a state. God is self-sufficient, but eternality is kind of how we talk about that state in time. <clears throat> Genesis 1-1, we find out something amazing. John 1-1, when time began, God was. Now I've heard some cool scientist science, I've read some cool science about what time might look like if we could put, build it into a construct, but if I could put it this way, God's not in time. There is no time for God. So essentially we'd have to look at God created time. So if you know somebody created this pulpit, somebody created the paper and then created the ink on the paper, and I can hold it. God created us and He created time. So, here's time. Here's God. That's kind of cool when you think about it. Did, you realize let's, let's, this, this is going to make a C.A.D. <laughs> even bigger. God does not experience the passage of time. We run out of time. Or. This is taking forever. (laughs) Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? We run out of time. We get bored. Time can't pass fast enough. This never happens to God. God never runs out of time. Never. God never gets bored and decides, like the Greek gods, I'm bored. I'm just going to play with these losers I've created. No. No. We know this, and I'm going to quote some verses. God lives in eternity; He is eternal, lives in eternity. Malachi three six For I am the Lord; I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. <laughs> but God is also omniscient, which is part of His eternality. First John three twenty For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Right. Ephesians chapter one verses eight through eleven, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom. All wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Isaiah chapter 46. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God is eternal, but God is also omni- omniscient. Uh, Psalm, David said this in Psalm 31. He said, my times are in thy hand. Yep. The, uh, you understand how come God, when Joshua needs a little extra time in the day to battle the enemy, God can go, <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah.
2: Here's where this is important. Some of you uh, uh, might remember the old film strips. When I was in school, I was a certified projector technician. <laughs> I could load the film, wind it through the thing, Get it started, and, you know, and then at the beginning you see that little flip flip, flip frame 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 frame, and you could hold the frame up like this, you know you could hold the, the film strip up, and you could see each little frame because movies weren't like some continuous digital thing. it was one picture, followed by another picture, followed by another picture, and you just play those really fast, like flipping the little post-it notes and little drawings on it. you get the picture. You know that's how God sees time? So God is. that means that God is with you right now and that God is with the trouble he's with you with the trouble you faced on Friday and he is listen he is tomorrow he already he's already there he knows he knows what call you're going to get he's already there the God who needs nothing, who does not need us, the great God of the universe who could turn us all into dust and walk away, cares about us who can give nothing to him that he needs. Can give, we can add nothing to him. He cares about us so much that he is in every point of our life, not is going to be, he is. And his sufficiency is already there. Oh, and by the way, for those things that you keep looking back on the past and wonder, why did God allow that to happen? His sufficiency is there also. And it's here today. How big is God? How great and wide His vast domain. And yet, (laughs) small enough to not just live, here. But when I cry he's touched. When I rejoice, found out I'm going to be a grandpa, first time. Yes. He feels he feels my joy. When I can't be with had a time my, my daughter's married and off and and those of you who got kids who are now away, you know that you know they never stop being your kids and so the worry never quits. <laughs> And uh, she got sick, and I got to worry, and God had to remind me, uh, "I am. You can't be there, but I am. I am. I don't know if you know who Jesus is. You might be here, this. You might be visiting, and I, I know the church is very thankful for you coming." Or you might have been here and you're still not for sure, but I'm just telling you something. You know what? The God who is, that I've been talking about, he extends his love to every person, including you. There is nothing you can do to destroy that love or to increase that love. He needs nothing. And he's not damaged by our work, that would make him needy. And he extends across the chasm from the infinite to the finite. He extends his hand through the, through the nail-scarred hand of Jesus and says, I want you with me. I want you to enter eternity with me. I want you to live in what I see. Not because he needs you, but because he loves you. God is not like us with a bigger budget. He's master. What a God. This God who sees all you have ever been what you are now and all you will be and he still chose to go to the cross and pay for your wickedness. You have nothing to offer God, but he's got everything to offer you. Won't you accept him, friend? He wants the God who is on the other side of the chasm. Now because of Christ has sent his Holy Spirit, and you know what he wants? He wants to walk with us in our timeline he's worthy can we not thank him can we not him? can you not maybe walk out this morning and walk out the door or walk down to amazing thank God for turkeys I think about it did it ever dawn on you that God didn't have to make food taste good he could have put us on a planet with nothing to enjoy (laughs) the eternal almighty all knowing God is looking down on you in love he's chosen to walk with you from day to day he wants to share your joys and sorrows he wants to be the friend and comforter that you have only dreamed and hoped for your whole life I'm just telling you God's aseity and eternality should be something that we grasp onto with everything every part of our being and say thank you for an all-sufficient God because I'm so stinking needy. Thank you, Jesus. Don't walk out the door and be mad at God for where you are. Realize that God wants to be with you where you are. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father,